The fire of your coming, the glory of your presence, we shake the earth and every heart will know. You are Messiah, Yeshua Mashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel, Defender of Zion. Shalom and welcome to Heart of Messiah Radio Broadcast. My name is Steve Weiler. And I'm the lead rabbi of Shoresh David Messianic Synagogues. Currently, we're serving in Wesley Chapel, St. Pete, South Bay near Riverview, and Tampa. We welcome all visitors as we desire to see those who are Jewish and not Jewish worshiping together in unity. We're honored to serve the listening audience of AM 570 WTBN and 910 WTWD, Tampa Bay's Faith Talk. Shalom. Last week we talked about the power of our words. That seems like a great segue for the need for prayer. Amen. So join with me. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, we thank you and praise you, Lord, that you allow us to think, you allow us to speak, and uh, you, you tell us, O oh Lord, what your heart is for how we are to behave. So, Lord, we just thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you, O Lord, for the opportunities we get to share your word, to speak, O Lord, on behalf of you, and to tell a world that is dark and struggling that there is light and you are the light. So, Father, we bless you, we thank you this day, and we give you all the glory in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. So as you know, the focus of this radio broadcast is on knowing the heart of Messiah and then seeking to be obedient to his desires. So today's part two of a series on the power of our words. This should be part of any discipleship program. If we're going to be a disciple of Yeshua, we need to know how to speak. Right? So a short review. Our words are so powerful that we use them in order to receive Yeshua into our life. In Romans 9, I'm sorry, Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Yeshua is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart it's believed for righteousness, but it's with the mouth it is confessed for salvation. So that just proves the power of our words. Amen? Mark 11, And Yeshua answered, saying to them, verse 22, Have faith in God. Amen. I tell you, if someone says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but trusts in what he says is happening, so shall it be for him. For this reason, I say to you, whatever you pray and ask, believe that you have received in it, and it shall be yours. Last week, I also explained about Lashon Hara, which means evil speech or evil tongue, and I gave you an illustration of a man who had spoken badly of a rabbi, 
And if you want to hear that illustration, listen to last week's teaching, right? To hear the whole story. However, don't forget what Yeshua said in Matthew 12, 36 and 37. But I tell you that on the day of judgment, men will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, by your words you will be condemned. So it's not just bad words, it's careless words. And who has not given or spoken careless words, right? We know the careless and negative words hurt the one who speaks, the one who hears, and the one who the word was about. So in order to learn to speak with grace... I mentioned that we need to recognize that we don't always speak with grace. We desire to speak with grace, see it as obedience, make it a goal of our heart and mind and spirit, and stay out of useless discussions. Finally, uh, Colossians 4, 4 through 6 says, Conduct yourself with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, to know how you ought to, ought to answer everyone. So, everybody and all the time. All the time means all the time, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech have grace and salt in it. And the final thing I'll review from last week is, as I recently been teaching our membership class, I explained what I call the three pillars of our congregation. And we ended with these three last week. Unity in our statement of faith. Grace towards others in the application of our core values and love at all times. You know, God's word is so clear. Proverbs sixteen seven: when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Mark nine fifty says salt is good, but if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you flavor it? Have salt in yourselves and keep peace or shalom with one another. And we see Romans twelve fourteen. Bless those who persecute you. Now, remember this, because I'm going to give you an example of this in a minute. So, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Repay no one evil for evil. Give thought to what is good in the eyes of all people, if possible, so far as it depends on you. Live in shalom or peace with all people. Okay, so we've read some scriptures, right? Let's try an example. Now, I will use an example of this past week, which was ugly. I mean, at best, this past week was ugly. And I'm sure God, I, I can't imagine what God does listening to people speak down here. I won't use names, but many of you will know the names I'm talking about. 
um, because they've been on the news. But that is not important. What's important is how we speak and then how we respond. So, let's say that you were in government and someone in Congress said the following about you on or those in your party, right? God is on our side. And if you see anybody from the cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore anywhere. Whoa! Is this the United States of America? Come on now. You can't say that. You can't even think it. My goodness, that's awful. Now, I understand that those might be fighting words. But take a deep breath. Remember who you serve. You are light to the world and you are salt and you represent the living God. Now, let me just, I found one response to this person from a a TV host or somebody who's on TV. And they said this, this is absolutely insane and extremely dangerous. My father-in-law works in the administration. Does this mean we go out to dinner? uh, When we go out to dinner, we should be ambushed? Don't ever again give me any of the when they go low, we go high lip service. Now, you might want to say those same things, but as bad as the first quote is, the second quote is also bad. It neither represent God from my point of view. Let's look at the first comments, which seem to indicate that people with a different political slant not only should be harassed in public, but they are no longer welcome in public. These thoughts are inflammatory. They are, they're just not American. But the best response, but the, the response was not great either. I believe The first sentence was okay, as it was a response to what was said. This is absolutely insane and extremely dangerous. Okay, that's their opinion. That's fine. However, one word in the next sentence raised the intensity and could further an argument if these people were talking to each other. My father-in-law works in the administration. Does this mean when we go out to dinner, we should be ambushed? Now, if I had said the the first comment and I heard this as a response, I would have said ambushed. Who's talking about guns? Who's talking about shooting? Who's talking about anything like that? And so you end up arguing about the word that is used And you argue about the frustration and the sarcasm, and none of that helps. It doesn't, it's not a response. And then don't ever again give me any of the when we go low, uh, when they go low, we go high lip service. Okay, that's sarcasm, it's frustration, 
and it doesn't help. It doesn't solve the problem of what is being said. When we use the wrong thoughts and words in our statement or our response, those words become part of the argument rather than having a civil disagreement about a real issue. In fact, even in my, to show you how bad this can get, even in this radio program, I said something that if the first person was listening to me, they would have a reasonable problem with what I said. I said that what they said was not American. Now, there's no reason for me to have said that. What I can say is the words that they used were not appropriate. But I don't want, and and I could explain that, but I don't want to get into too much of an editorial about what's American and what isn't American. These things will just inflame. So the very thing that I'm teaching on, I did. (laughs) And that's how insidious this is. That's how... We get tempted so easily. Look, so let's look at another example. Let's take one from home, okay? So if you say to your son, clean up your room, that's fine. But if you say to your son, clean up your room and then add, because you never do it, until I ask, and then when you do it, you don't do a great job. Will your son say, okay, or will he argue whether or not he cleans without being asked, or will he argue about whether he does a great job or not? Now, if you would have stuck to the part where you just said, clean up your room, he would either have to do it or not do it. But because you added words... What happens is he's going to argue about the words and you lose your authority to tell him what to do. Does this make sense? So here's a few scriptures to meditate on. As Ecclesiastes 5.2 As a dream comes with excessive burdens, so a fool's voice with too many words... How about this? Ecclesiastes 6.11. When there are many words, futility increases. How does that benefit anyone? (laughs) And then there's my favorite, favorite, Proverbs 10.19. When words are many, or another one says, when words abound, Sin or transgression is unavoidable. (laughs) But whoever restrains his lips is wise. Are you getting the basic concept here? We have a lot of work to do with our language, which are with our thought process, with, with our speech. You know what? Yeshua even says this about people who pray. In Matthew 6, 7, he says, when you're praying, do not babble on like the pagans, 
for they think they will be heard because of their many words. And that's what we do when we argue or when we have something to be intense about. We, we think our many words are going to make things better and they make it worse. It especially happens when we're trying to prove a point. We add a word or a phrase. And unfortunately, then that becomes the issue rather than the initial point. So I hope I've been clear in this. Remember this quote by Abraham Herschel. He's a rabbi, uh, not, not a believer in Yeshua. But listen to the quote because I love it. Self-respect is the root of discipline. The sense of dignity grows with the ability to say no to oneself. The Let me say it again. The, your sense of dignity will grow with your ability to say no to yourself. And so when you are ready to speak words, most of the time you should be saying no to yourself. <laughs> Hebrews 12.11 says it this way about the discipline of, of, of how we are to speak and, and other things. Think about this. In Hebrews 12.11, it says, Now all discipline seems painful at the point. And by the way, I'm sure that what I'm telling you today seems painful to you. I get it. It's painful to me too. But let me read this again, the scripture. Now all discipline seems painful at the moment, not joyful. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So let us look at this scripture concerning our thoughts and words. It is painful to not answer someone from our flesh. I get that. It's, it's like you just can't help yourself. But if we can manage godly conversation and, and stop ourselves, we will sense peace knowing that in this situation we were godly or righteous. And the more we make this sacrifice and get trained by it, the more we become righteous, our peace increases, and we know we are journeying with the Lord in the right direction. Before we talk about changing our habits, let's be real. You have to recognize that there is a problem. And I would say most people do not recognize there is a problem with their speech, mainly because they are of the ilk that says, I had to tell them the truth, but I told them in love. That's code for I reamed them out. And... Let's be honest with ourselves, okay? We cannot change if we're not going to be honest. So if you don't do these two things, recognize and desire to change, recognize there's a problem and desire to change, it will be almost impossible to change. There are very few people that I know in the world that don't need to improve in the area of speech, including myself, and I've already proved that in this program. (laughs) 
unfortunately. When I say stupid things, I remember them for a long time, and it truly bugs me. But I do feel I'm improving because I see the problem and I want to change. My heart is to have a heart like Messiah. Does that sound familiar to anybody? We must let God change us. That's the number one thing. How to change? We ask God, Lord, please change us. Our ability to be changed by God is determined by who we trust and the level we trust him. So if you say you trust God, then I'm going to ask you, what is your trust level in God? Because really, we must let God change us by our trust. In Isaiah 50, verse 4, it says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples, that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word, or in other words, to be an encouragement. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. And my prayer for everybody is the Lord God will open your ear, as it speaks of in the scripture in Isaiah 50, verse 4 and 5, that he awakens you to listen as a disciple. He says that the tongue, uh, he has given me the tongue of of the disciple. What is the tongue? That I may know how to encourage the weary, the ones who are discouraged. That's the tongue of a disciple. With a word that I can be an encouragement. Yaakov. James one twenty says, so put away all f- moral filth and excess of evil and receive with humility the implanted word which is able to save your souls. God wants to implant humility through his word. Okay, he wants to plant it in us. He wants to saturate us. He wants us to be fed daily by his word. As we pray his word and proclaim his word, we will change. When people see us change, they might want to change too. And we will cause love and kindness to be spread, not just by saying we love, love, we love, love the word love and we love kindness, but it's more than that. We have to be an example, a model of it. So the first thing that we have to do in this area is we have to let God change us. Number two, you know what? I don't have time for number two. But if you come back next week, I'll give you two, three, four, and five as to how to change in this area. I'm excited about this teaching because it's so practical. Look, if you feel this program is valuable to you, please support us financially. We depend on God touching your heart to stay on the radio waves. Again, you can do this by calling Karen at 813-831-5673. If you prefer, uh, hit the donate button on our website, 
heartofmessiah.org. And look, on our website, you can also listen to past shows. So please do that. If you want to comment, you can reach me at rabbi at heartofmessiah.org. May the Lord be your first priority, and may you grow in your desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah. Please join me in prayer as we close. Abba, Father, teach us your ways so that our hearts would be hearts of flesh and not of stone. May our words and actions always reflect the heart of Messiah so that everyone who meets us will know that Yeshua is our Messiah and King. You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel.